everybody. Welcome to your very favorite Bronze Age Spider-Man podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I am your co-host, Michael, and as always, I'm joined by... Joshua Mervell. And today we're going to be talking about some Spidey crossover issues. That's right. As far as I know, these are the only two issues Spidey guest-starred in while he was in his alien costume. And to celebrate, we have a very special returning guest, G.I. Jolie. Oh, I was trying to get my dance hall horn up, but it couldn't get it up in time. Ah, well, I'll come back anyways. (laughs) Glad to be here. Hope Uh, so. Yeah. You won't be soon. But anyway, okay, so uh, I I would argue that the main event today is the Transformers issue only because Transformers is my thing and I've read this issue 100,000 times. Um, but we're, So we're going to save that one for later and we're going to start off with the Hulk number 300. Uh, Josh, would you like to tell us about this issue? Sure. So this is like a big double-sized issue. Um, Hulk-sized issue, I guess you yeah. could say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, okay. If, if I were to go through and summarize this comic... Um, completely like it would take it would take me so long and really nothing would really matter right like it, it's <laughs> a lot kind of happens and it's it all kind of connects into the story but it's not super important so i'm gonna try to summarize this in just like a few sentences sure um so we have the hulk and he's starting to rampage again um before he was kind of like this half and half like between Bruce Banner and the Hulk and mm-hmm. Bruce Banner was the one kind of driving the Hulk if you will right. um, but <laughs> for some reason the Hulk has kind of turned he's uh, back into his primal like version so he's full on Hulk um, S.H.I.E.L.D. has been doing like tests on him and it turns out that they can't find any traces of Bruce Banner left in him and um, it's just the Hulk kind of going on this insane rampage he's destroying the city um and Mm -hmm. pretty much every superhero has kind of come to try to stop him and they're all uh unsuccessful um spider-man comes in he's saving some civilians uh dr strange is there he's kind of well i'll come back to dr strange uh the agents of shield are there nothing they can do uh, is stopping him uh, the Avengers show up, the Fantastic Four, Iron Fist, Luke Cage. Um, everybody is here trying to stop this guy. And they're pretty much trying to slow slow him down while Doctor Strange can kind of um, look through his, like, uh, crystal ball. And uh, <laughs> he's, like, flipping through the channels of this interdimensional TV and he's mm-hmm. trying to find this pl- to find a planet that is suitable for uh, the Incredible Hulk a d- and yeah, they're going dimension. to banish him right, right. A, a, new, a new dimension and right. they're going mm-hmm. to banish him there but the thing is he, he Doctor Strange is friends with Bruce and mm-hmm. he's kind of sad about this he doesn't want to send him off to a planet that is going to be dangerous for mm-hmm. him or like harm him so this entire time all of these heroes are kind of stalling while he is trying to find a suitable planet where he can kind of go and live the rest of his life in solitude and uh you know where he won't be in danger and he won't 
wreck anything and nothing will hurt him as well. So um, it kind of all ends when Doctor Strange finally uh, finally finds a place and he, he runs into the middle of New York or I guess flies into the middle of New York where all this uh, commotion is going on and he opens up this portal. The Hulk jumps through it and is, and is now closed and um, the heroes are kind of left there. Uh, and we we see the Hulk kind of floating in this, like, nebulous space. There's, mm-hmm. like, all of these things kind of going around on the stars and kind of like these Kirby shapes, I guess you can call them. Like, these weird spiky balls with, like, tentacles coming off of them and well, fire. Well, they're more Ditko shapes, because Ditko's the one right, that invented right, this right. book. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I get you. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, that's kind of where this one ends I think it's a pretty interesting story. Like, I, I like that concept. I just think that it's a little a little drawn out. I think I would have liked this story a lot better if it was a, like, regular-sized issue. Because right. I think the writing is kind of nice. The art is fantastic. I absolutely I loved it in this issue. Right. I, I, think, it's a, I think it's pretty strong. I, the only thing that's kind of drawing me back from saying I loved this is that it was just, like a little too stretched a little too thin right right uh Jolie, what's your impression of this issue um i thought pretty much i have this like pretty much bang on same feelings as josh Mm. i just i don't know why it was a quote hulk sized issue because it really didn't (laughs) need to be everybody Mm. did the same thing to try to defeat him which was run directly at him and then be smashed (laughs) to the ground so like the only even like oddly enough like the vision um anyway he should have been able to do something about that but mm-hmm. i digress um they could have they could have gotten to the conclusion much quicker uh despite all that it was made palatable uh work throughable by the writing the writing was not terrible mm-hmm. i found myself actually like not thinking about the writing while I was reading, which right. is, which is the true test of uh, a really well written anything. So, cheers to this Hulk. Um, I don't really remember Spidey at all. I think he was maybe one of the one of the ones that tried and failed, and then that was it. Yeah, he was only on one page, I think, or one scene. Yeah, two, I think he just yeah. saved some two pages, some civilians. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing. We should mention this is written by Bill Mantlo, who's been writing uh, Peter Parker, the spectacular Spider-Man, for I think the whole time we've been reviewing it, right? So, mm-hmm. well, now yeah, it's moved so. over to Al Milgram. But anyway, we're, we're Bill Mantlo fans. And so, I mean, it, again, Bill Mantlo, he always surprises me. This is good stuff, like we said. It does go on too long, but it didn't, <laughs> it didn't push me out of the story as I was reading it, right? It pulled me into the story, which... And, and this era of comics is not something you always see. Um, we mentioned mm-hmm. the art. The pencils are by Sal Buscema, whom we're all familiar with. But the inks here... Now, I guess this is uh, revealing a slight blind spot in my comic buying habits. I was never a huge Hulk fan from this era. So I'm not familiar with this inker. But this is George Toloak. And this is some of the best Sal Buscema art I've ever seen. Like, mm-hmm. he makes the Hulk look so freaking cool... With his like, with the attention to detail, with the with the muscles and like the feathering, it just looks great, eh? Yeah, 
and like the really, way really the way he accentu accentuates like the Hulk's eyebrows and makes him look really monstrous and obviously the storytelling is good because it's Sal Buscema but like you know you just see these panels of like uh digital page 17 when Doctor Strange is watching you know the chaos from way across the city and he's sitting on the footsteps of his whatever that's called his house and then like you, you just see him looking up thinking and then the camera kind of zooms out slowly to those four different shots of him like farther and farther away you know just little things like mm -hmm. that make the page designs really interesting you know and um so yeah again I, I guess the only complaint i have with this issue is it was way too long and not a lot happened it was kind of repetitious right like the same thing over and over again just heroes fighting the hulk losing and then at the end he just gets exiled into another dimension right so josh I'm thinking, yeah like I'm trying to think of like a way to fix this story, right? Like to to kind of, uh, and maybe add some sort of element where they're trying to slow him down from getting to a certain point in the city that he's after, or like, or even having them like specific points of saving buildings. Like it's right. really just a, a, a fist fight the entire time, right? Um, mm -hmm. They, there's that nobody really offers up any solutions to stop him either um like thor never uses the hammer to kind of like drop it on him so he can't move right. or like iron fist really just is like i'm gonna punch him and and then hulk crushes his hand and that's it hulk, luke cage runs in i'm gonna punch him and then right. luke cage gets thrown across the city and like blasts through buildings like it's just really a big fist fight um Mm -hmm. And again, if if it was just thirty pages, I don't think I would have minded as much because the I think the the real like story is with Doctor Strange and him like kind of go like kind of like almost like grieving like he's reluctant to even exile him because he's his friend, but he right. it's what he has to do to to for the better of New York. Right, right. So right. like I I think that really is is where the fun of the story is and like the heart of it and uh i, I like that kind of in like the idea of ramping up the intensity of like more and more heroes are trying to stop him and it's just more and more destruction and it's you know <laughs> dr strange flipping through the channels of the orb of agamotto and uh, uh agamotto and um like mm -hmm. trying to find this place for him while right, he's like right. hiding in the sanctum sanctorum like it's just uh, I really love the idea, and um, yeah, it's just a shame it was spread a little too thin. Well, if you think of it like an action movie, usually if this was like a movie about you know an asteroid coming or a volcano, they'd always be like they'd have those scientists that come in and be like, okay, this is what we think we should do, and then maybe that plan fails, and then you'd get like some oddball like computer guy who'd be like, no, 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 we right. gotta do this. So it would have been nice. You're right to see like a plan or like new ideas. But instead, it's just kind of people punching, right? Right. I mean, maybe Mr. Fantastic can kind of come up with a gas to, like, sedate him. And then he just kind of, you know, busts through the laboratory. So they've got to figure right. out something. Like, you know, add right. a little bit of something that the heroes are trying to do to figure out how to stop him. But, yeah, I don't know. There, But the, I, I will say there are some, like, small little details that I think are really nice in the issue. Um, like, I really love that the Hulk... I think he's in like time, not Times Square, um, Central Park. Uh, at this point, where he like picks up the Hulk statue and completely right. destroys it, like 
that's super super cool because it's like this monument that has been you know put up to show that he's a hero and now that bruce banner is kind of completely gone and this hero is destroyed essentially he's picked up the statue and thrown it and shattered it to pieces and it's just right. super fun there's there's some really great stuff uh in this issue so i don't know i th- i think that it would be a recommend for me what, what do you guys think i think so i think so yeah a little bit too long but i i yeah. consider it like a classic style marvel story i don't know jolie what do you think yeah I guess. <laughs> it, I mean, everyone's. It does. I. It's the. I'm not gonna recommend it because I feel like it's gonna be one of those issues that people are gonna pick up regardless of recommendation because of the numbering. Sure. It's important. Yeah. It's an important issue. It's like a key, I guess. If you mm. are into that thing, number three hundred, sort of like a key issue. So you're gonna either read it or you're gonna pass. But don't pass. It's okay. Um, if you hate the idea of the Hulk being a brainless sort of subhumanoid monster, then maybe don't pick it up because that's how they play him. But um, yeah. yeah, if you I, are if you're into Doctor Strange exercising, mm-hmm. you know the <laughs> thing that Doctor Strange does best, which is detective work, apparently. Um, then also a very good issue for that. <laughs> uh, uh, what did you th- did you know? Oh, sorry, go ahead, Josh. Uh, I was gonna say I normally would agree with you. Like I I don't like when the Hulk is like caveman Hulk. <laughs> At least not on his own. Like it's just, I I don't ever want to follow that story. Um, in this case, I think that. Yeah, it is an issue of the Incredible Hulk, but it's not really his story. Like it, it does feel more like Doctor Strange, Strange's like uh, story to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, and and the fact that we're not focusing on the Hulk, tra- <laughs> caveman Hulk, trying to fit into normal society, <laughs> I definitely don't mind it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Jolie, did you notice a difference in the art as far as the inks over uh, our pal Sal Busema? <laughs> not really. It nothing really to stand out. Um, there are a couple instances, not any that I can point out directly, just because I don't have it in front of me. Um, that yeah, the the strokes are a little more painter. Oop, the strokes are a little more painterly, but right. you know. Just as all good good inks and good writing and good pencils, it should almost be, it shouldn't, uh, if 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 part of the gimmick of this of selling of the book is to have that not to have it go unnoticed by the reader, then yeah, it's it was great, it was fine, it did exactly what it needed to do. Like it wasn't it wasn't like they were getting Bill Bill Sankevich on the book, you know what I mean? Right, like you weren't look if you're you're not looking for um an artist's interpretation of the Hulk, you're looking for the Hulk, and that's it. Right. Okay. Um, I don't know. Is there anything else to say about this book? Mm, no, I I didn't have a problem with the art at all. Besides the first, like the page one splash page. Mm-hmm. This I. <sighs> When I first read this, I was, I said, why is there a giant baby? 
in the middle of the street. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. I, 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 for some reason, the the uh, perspective was lost on me, and it right. looked like all of these people are running around this giant baby. Like, this guy on the left looks like he's looking at the baby. Like, I, I didn't it didn't click to me yeah, that he was, like, I mean, far off well, in the distance. One That's of the, the problems. <laughs> Yeah, one of the things with comic art is that in real life or like with a camera, things are the foreground's in focus, the background's out of focus. Right. With comic books, everything's perfectly in detail, right? Mm-hmm. So that that's part of probably part of the problem. But I, I think I think the thing that um, I think the reason why it was like it played a trick on me was because everybody in the background is kind of grayed out. Okay, and it, it's supposed to show that they're in the background, and then there are three characters that are not. And the baby in like the like the, the the foreground, so the characters that are in the midground running are are in mm. color like full color and and they're not kind of in this like grayscale to show that they're in the back, and I think that mm-hmm. up against everybody else being grayscale, it like tricked my mind into thinking <laughs> they were on the same like plane plane yeah if that okay. makes sense yeah I know what you mean. Yeah, but it's it's not it's 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 well drawn. It's just it, my mind kind of played a trick on me. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so should we move past this uh, mofo and now we can go to uh, ooh, a comic book that I have read, like I said, one hundred thousand times. Yeah. And that's Transformers number three. This is my one of my favorite comic series of all time. I mean, not just because it's good, but also because I grew up with it. So I mean, I might be a little bit. Um, prejudiced here now. Unfortunately, GI Julie, you did not have a chance to read this one, right? I read most of it. Okay. I looked all right. at all of it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, you you know you can kind of uh, comment as we go along here, but I'm just gonna, uh, um, Josh, would you like to give the history first? Or do you want to? Should I do the summary? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we can kind of do maybe both at the same time. I. I so in the 70s and 80s, Marvel was writing comics for a bunch of different um, properties and the kind of like line of what was um, in universe and not in universe was really blurred Uh, this is one of the only times the Marvel like superheroes actually crossed over with the Transformers in the like 616 universe Um, there's other there's other stories that have also crossed over with like everything like they were doing Transformers and Star Wars and ROM and Godzilla and Micronauts all right. at the same time. And everything kind of like weirdly crossed over. And I think it was just to sell the other comics. I don't really think they had anything planned story-wise for that. Like it was just like, ah, yeah, we've got Spider-Man. Everybody loves Spider-Man. Throw him into the Transformers. That way, you know, if... That way, all the Spidey Spidey fans will know that we're doing Transformers now. Right. That's really kind of what it felt like. I mean, even the fact that in this issue, uh, uh, Nick Fury references Godzilla. Yes, I noticed that. Yep. He's like, he's like, oh, hopefully we don't have to deal with that big giant, you know, lizard anymore. Mm -hmm. We can just Mm -hmm. deal with the Transformers. Like, it's just kind of weird. Um, But, um. Later on, the Savage Land is also uh, 
referenced in one of the right. Transformers comics. I think they actually right. go to the Savage Lands and then they talk about the Avengers in that issue. And then hmm. um, in Secret Wars, Circuit Breaker, who is a Transformers character, appears in the Secret Wars storyline. That is um, correct. And then after that, there's no more crossover with the Marvel superheroes in the 616 universe and the Transformers. Um, and we kind of get a clear answer of the, of them being separate universes when uh, in one of the letters columns in uh, Transformers issue, it was number 64, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, someone asked if they were if they were in the same universe and if we would ever see the super Marvel superheroes crossover with the Transformers again. And the response was this exactly, word for word. Transformers and Marvel universes are separate from each other. And then in brackets, it says, what about issue number three? Can we just forget about that one? Please. <laughs> <laughs> so this, one, this issue that we're about to talk about has kind of been like, that. listen, that was a mistake. Uh, we don't really want to talk about it. Let's pretend it never existed and move on. They're separate universes. Right. So uh, it's definitely an, a different, interesting kind of like historical issue. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I had fun with it. Yeah, I don't know. Do you want to talk about the, the story now? or? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. Uh, again, it's very hard for me to be objective. But um, the first thing I want to point out is that we're coming into the middle of the story. Now, I want to point out, I've mentioned this before on other shows and stuff, but I started buying Transformers with number two, and yet all these writers at this time were trained to ease the reader in so that it felt like they weren't really missing anything. And so we jump into the story, in the middle of the story, and we see this narration here by writer Jim Salakrup, you know, somewhere over Oregon, three jets... Jet fighters soar. Not an odd sight, but there's more than meets the eye. These jets are alive. So uh, narration like that is great. <laughs> it brings you into the story. Right away, you're like, okay, something's going on here. We're introduced to the fact that this guy, Spike Witwicky, is being held prisoner by these jets. And then on page two, we see... And I'm going to go into a little bit more detail than usual because I'm so excited. Then we see a Decepticon headquarters, like this <laughs> castle. And then, you know, oh, they transform and, oh, it's the Decepticon jets. Then all the Transformers... Uh, sorry, all the Decepticons transform. And this is a little bit different from the cartoon because usually in the cartoon... The bigger robots like Megatron and Soundwave would just fly on their own. But here they're being a little bit more practical. Like, okay, well, if there's three jets, then we might as well have the rest of the Decepticons just transform into these tiny little guns and tapes and tape recorders and just fit into the jets, right? That makes more sense. So anyway, we find out that the reason that the Decepticons have kidnapped Spike Witwicky, Spike Wit- who is, of course, the father of plug, Buster. Right? What's that? It's Sparkplug. Oh, sorry, sorry. Sparkplug Witwicky. Oh, my gosh. How embarrassing. Right. <laughs> Sparkplug Witwicky, who's the father of Spike, a.k.a. Buster Witwicky. In the cartoon, he was Spike. Here, he's Buster. I know that later on in the comics, they introduce Buster's long-lost brother, Spike. But we'll just pretend that didn't happen, okay? This is the same <laughs> character. So, Sparkplug is being uh, held prisoner because the Decepticons need to figure out a way to... Uh, to fuel themselves because there's no energon cubes in the comics at least not at this point maybe there's later i don't remember but um and so they've captured him because they figure that he can figure out a way to get fuel for them 
And so, um, you know, we cut back to uh, Spike Witwicky and his friends, Jesse and O, and they've just finished up, a, and, the, and the Autobots, they've just finished up the battle with the Decepticons, and so the Autobots are like, well, we've got to go back to headquarters, repair our guys that are busted up, and, um, and then we're going to, uh, we're going to do everything we can to rescue your father, right? And so then, you know, they're driving back, and we get those, with these little ongoing subplots of like a cop sees them and you know he's run off the because he recognizes wait a minute there's no drivers in those cars but then as he's driving he gets run off the road and there's like a little joke you know sarge always said if you put in enough miles you'd believe a car could talk you know wah 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 so then the, the autobots get back to the headquarters and uh they're doing their thing and then um basically this is where uh, Sparkplug expl explains, okay, I can I can uh, make some fuel for you guys, but I'm, there's a list of things that I need you to get for me. And so then we get this little cool scene of like Soundwave uh, stealing this gigantic, I don't even know what this is, uh, like a generator thingamabob. From a power plant, yeah. Yeah, from a power plant. And then Frenzy is taking this big oil rig and Starscream is like scooping it up and flying it and then we get a little cut over to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. like we said this is at this point firmly planted in the Marvel Universe so we see Nick Fury and Dum Dum Dugan again as a kid this is the first time I'd ever seen these characters right so it was kind of cool because people like me come in only because this is the Transformers adaptation and then now I'm getting introduced to all these other characters so it's kind of cool and so then we see Joe Robertson the editor-in-chief so of, at the uh, time sorry to interrupt uh, was so was this the first introduction of Spider-Man for you? No, no, no. Because I had seen Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends and the TV sh and the uh -oh. live-action TV show, but I'd never seen Shield. That's what I meant. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I had no idea what Shield was. So anyway, so then again, here's me, a kid. I'm reading this issue. I'm like, oh, here we go, Spidey time. Wait a minute, what's this alien costume? Now, obviously, on the cover, he had the black costume, but still, it was just cool to see. Again, this is only one of two, I believe, guest appearances where Spider-Man is in another comic with his alien costume. So this is kind of cool. Um, and then we get, you know, a little bit of... Uh, and, and again, this is something that would happen in real life. This is something they didn't show in the cartoon. But if the Decepticons were really out there, you know that the U.S. military would do everything they could to combat them, to get rid of them, right? And so they try here and they fail. So Optimus Prime sends in Gears, who is one of the mini Autobots. So he's only about, what, two inches tall or something. But it's just kind of cool that he gets his own little story here, his own, his own little starring role. And so uh, Gears teams up with Spidey, you know. You know, they have a little bit of playful banter and some arguing, but they manage to uh, actually rescue some of these humans from a tank that Skywarp has thrown at them. So that's the first thing that happens. Then we get a weird transition to a scene where the Autobots just show up and then off panel, they explain everything that's going on. And so Spider-Man agrees to, <laughs> to help out. And then I don't get this scene at all, but Spider-Man fools the United States Army with a helmet. But he's still in his full black Spider-Man alien costume, which doesn't make any sense because the costume... Am I, am I wrong? Can't the costume take on any uh, form it wants? Or am I wrong about that? Uh, or maybe yeah, it can't. It does. It does like kind of change to whatever he's thinking, but it's more like civilian clothes. So I don't know if he can like change what his body looks like, <laughs> or I'm not sure. I mean, Ven right, I Venom remember, is definitely yeah. like a different shape, body shape than Eddie Brock or you know any right. other uh, versions of Venom. So I'm not sure. I'm not. Well, maybe so, he so, just yeah. wasn't established so, at this point too. 
So, yeah, so Spider-Man puts on a helmet, and then this is what he says. He's like, pardon me, Sarge. The lieutenant gave me orders to return to the front line. Sure, go right ahead. Uh, the thing, This is like some pretty lame-ass security, if you ask me, but okay, whatever. Um, and so uh, <laughs> Spider-Man makes his way in, and, um, and then, you know, there's a little bit of a fight with, uh, you know, we get some cool scenes with, like, Brawn and Frenzy. Again... I have to point out that the issue before this, it was so early in the days of Transformers that they didn't, they hadn't even finalized the, um, what are they called? The, like the models for how they were going to draw these characters. So from number two to number three, these are all completely different. Like Bumblebee, if you would go back and read number two is unrecognizable. Braun looks completely different. So it's kind of cool just to see transformers rapidly evolving as it's going along you know as like the show is coming out and as as the 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 <laughs> franchise is expanding it's kind of cool it, so anyway it's also so interesting gears, too because like some of these characters aren't even really in the show like i don't think gears is really oh yeah he was in the show, show for sure a whole he was lot. definitely in the yeah, show but he was he was he like a one of the main characters like a, a character that reoccurred Oh yeah, he he definitely reoccurred, and he had at least oh, one or two episodes where he was featured as like somewhat of a main player. So yeah, he was definitely there. Okay. However, I got to point out, um, is this Rumble or Frenzy? Oh yeah, Rumble and Frenzy are both here. Frenzy, I I think he was maybe in one or two episodes, and that was it. Because just the way that they did the toys, they only had to. Oh, by the way, I can hear typing. Can hear typing, but that's okay. Um, they only emphasize certain characters. So, for example, Buzzsaw. Buzzsaw was sold with Soundwave. So, the Hasbro basically said, "Well, don't worry about Buzzsaw because people are going to buy Soundwave, so you don't have to promote Buzzsaw." So, Buzzsaw was oh, maybe wow. in one scene, in one episode, and then Frenzy was sold with Laserbeak, and they're like, "Well, we don't really need to promote." Buzz or uh, Frenzy, so don't worry about Frenzy. I'm not sure why they didn't promote Frenzy. But anyway, <laughs> so I just thought it was kind of cool that dis despite the fact that these Decepticons are evil, we still see Rumble, right? Fear not, brother. Mm -hmm. I see that you are, I'll see that you are restored to fighting strength. So it's kind of cool that even though these are evil Decepticons, Rumble and Frenzy still care for each other because they're brothers, right? So that's kind of mm -hmm. cool. So anyway, so then uh, uh, they're trying to climb up into the castle and Gears ends up falling and Spidey uses his web to uh, rescue him, which is kind of foreshadowing something that will happen later. So they make their way into the headquarters. They see um, Rumble carrying Frenzy, which I think is kind of cool. And then they, they have a little fight scene with Ravage, with, uh, which I thought was awesome because Ravage, in this point in the continuity, can talk. He has a normal voice, whereas in the cartoon, with the exception of one episode, he was just the primitive, like he was a cat, right? He had the brain of an animal, mm -hmm. so he could only, like, I guess meow and growl or whatever. So, so they make their way in and they, they fight Soundwave, and then eventually we get to Spidey using his web to wrap up Megatron, which is, gives us the scene on the, on the cover. They rescue Sparkplug, but then in the process, Gears ends up falling again. Spidey tries to save him, but Gears is too heavy. Plus, because of his momentum, he ends up falling. And then Spidey's like, oh, no, you know. So then he goes down, he meets up with the Autobots, and the Autobots are like, well, that's the last piece. We've collected all that's left of him. And Spidey's like, how can you all be so cold and unfeeling? He died a hero. And, and Optimus Prime is like, the humans don't understand. Our form of life is vastly different from theirs. So then, uh, next page, Spidey's like, I'm sorry what happened to Gears Optimus. Even the good guys die sometimes. And Prime's like, die? You mean he's still alive? Well, no, but neither is he what you would term dead. You lost me, Op. No matter. What's important is the valor you've shown today will always be an inspiration to our struggle. 
but this is our war and I can ask no more of you, Spider-Man. So Spider-Man's okay, see ya. So he takes off. And then we get our little kind of rushed ending here where Ratchet ends up uh, repairing gears. So now he's, he can talk and he's like, he's like, I've managed to revive him to minimum operating level. And then Ratchet's like, incredible, he's trying to speak. And Gears is like, Meg, Meg, Megatron got what he wanted from human. And then Spike is like, or Buster's like, Dad, say it ain't so. So the cliffhanger is that Sparkplug Witwicky has betrayed the Autobots, right? By um, by giving the fuel to the Decepticons. But for anyone who's read number four, there's a little twist coming that I'm not going to reveal. But uh, it's pretty freaking cool if you ever get a chance to read Transformers number four. It's awesome. But let's stick with Transformers number three. I obviously love this story. Um, it's written by Jim Salakrup who we know will soon be replaced by our pal Bob Budiansky. Um, some of the dialogue is a little rough, but I do think the plotting is actually really good. The pencils by Frank Springer are great. Unfortunately, the inking in this issue is pretty freaking terrible, especially if you jump to number four and you compare it to the inks of number four. The inks of number four are excellent, and it, it, it brings out the excellent pencils by Frank Springer, but in this issue, the art is bad. Uh, but I still obviously recommend it because it's a classic story in my opinion and obviously for a Transformers fan it's great and for a Spider-Man fan I think it's um, you know it's a rare guest appearance by Spidey with the with the costume so I'll just leave it at that I love it uh, Josh what do you think <laughs> yeah it was it was pretty fun I really do like the Transformers I, I would watch the G1 show a lot as a kid and um, awesome I kind of grew up uh with like the Bay Transformers, so as a kid, I really liked those as well. Um, That's too bad. Uh, yeah, not, not so, not so much, not so much anymore. But, mm. but I kind of like grew up at like the perfect age to watch and enjoy those, and it, right, it even, it kind of like brought me back to the G one cartoon, you know, that I would, you know, watch re reruns of on TV right. all the time. So it was definitely nice to revisit a lot of these characters and jump back in um i really had a lot of fun with this issue was it fantastic like no it wasn't great the story was not like amazing but i really had a lot of fun because it was like revisiting all of these old friends um right i think the thing that i really disliked about this though was spider-man being in it like i i ah. I, I don't know. I, I, I like my things being separate. Like, I don't like my universes being muddled, muddied. Right, like, right. I, that, I think that's what I don't like about it, is that they didn't commit to this. If it was a mm. thing, like, I, I don't know, if Spider-Man was pushed through some sort of, dim, like, portal or something, and he ended up here, sure, fine, it's lazy, but at least it's, like, an explanation. It just right. feels out of place for him to be here, and... Um, I, I can, I kind of like put it behind me after a few pages of, of Spidey swinging with gears, but, um, that's, that's one thing I'll say I really didn't like about this issue. Um, and, and again, I think it's just the lack of commitment because I do like reading stories with GI Joe and Transformers crossing over because they've mm -hmm. kind of established that they are in the same world together. Um, and they've like set up rules for it, so sure. it. I'm completely fine with it. Um, it just feels strange in this issue. Huh. Okay. And you yeah, know what? I'll it, say I agree with that. I'll get more to that later. But uh, GI Julie, I know you only read part of it, but what's your impression of what you read? 
It was really hard to read. Ooh. Um, and and not like, and not in a English is hard to read kind of way. It was just like, I started to read it, and then I didn't like reading it. Ah. Ooh. And then I just was looking at the pictures, because the same thing that was happening to me, um, that happened to me when I was watching the Michael Bay Transformers, was happening Ooh. to me in the very first few pages, which was, and I, I think this might have been the quality of the print that I was reading, but all of the robots looked the same. Well, wow. a lot of words happening on the pages, and it was. I was like, what are they doing? What are they? Why? Which one is which one is which? And I just lost interest. I love uh-huh. robots generally, but this was ugh. it was a, it was a trek. It was and a I'm chore? currently lost in space. <laughs> <laughs> Do you mean it was a chore? It was like a no, journey. No, I mean that it was a trek. Yeah. And I'm currently okay. still I'm still walking. Ah, I gotcha. Yeah, um, I, I, I can definitely see the Transformers kind of blending together. I think at this point, again, they're not uh, as well-defined. I mean, yeah. Starscream <laughs> is pretty much just like a big blue robot with the orange uh, like chest, like cockpit piece in this issue. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I, somebody's next to him. I don't even know who it is. I can't, I can't even say because... He's Which colored page? the exact same way, like maybe Thundercracker or yes. Um, you know what? Okay. It's like the the second page right there. Yeah, uh, yeah, well, it is okay. Thundercracker. Yeah. Let me just say for the record here, and I don't want to so, pick on the colorist Nell Yomtev because I think he did every issue of Transformers, but the colors in this issue are terrible because I, I understand that you know we talked about how the designs weren't finalized, but the toys were out. All you had to do is look at a picture and go, okay, Starscream is this color, Skywarp uh, is that color. But when you color all the jets exactly the same, how are you supposed to tell them apart, like you said? And like, okay, I can forgive a little bit because the models weren't finalized, but um, at least try and follow the toy, you know? So yeah, I'll yeah. give you, I'll, I'll agree with that. Do you guys agree that the inks are pretty terrible? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Because the, the inking does change because it's two ink- inkers. Mike Esposito does, I think, the second half. He's a much better inker. But these first few pages are brutal. Like, look at p- digital page four. Like, Megatron, that close-up of his face is terrible. You know? Like, it just looks really rushed and, like, really thick, ugly lines and just, I don't know. I mean, oh, Like, look at digital page five. The bottom left, that close-up of spark plug. That's terrible. Yeah. Like, there's just such a thing as making art appealing, and that is not appealing art. I don't know. Um, but, like I said, the premise is so cool. And I also got to point out that because in the last couple years, because of Flea Market Fantasy in this show, I've read 99% superhero stuff. It's also ne- nice to read a story that's not superheroes. It's about an alien race interacting with normal people. And, Josh, your point about crossing over, I feel like I'm the only one where you know you'll be on Facebook on these comic book pages and they'll be like oh Marvel got the rights back to Conan oh I hope he uh, you know joins the Avengers why why do you want Conan yeah, to join don't. the Avengers well guess what he's in the Avengers now oh, and it's crap God, course, you know yes. like why would you you know what I mean like no I don't want Spider-Man yeah. to meet the Transformers I want them to be separate because there can only be one fantastic element in any story. And if you have a guy that can be bitten by a radioactive spider against spider powers and have alien robots from another planet, it really just falls apart, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it can work. I, I, if it has like rules set up, like if there's if there's reason behind it. I mean, right. I, I don't know. I don't know if I fully believe the whole like there could only be one fantastical thing. I mean, look at the Avengers themselves. Like they're all kind of these different fantastical things. Like the Vision is this robot android superhero, and he's yeah. mixed in with Hulk, this like caveman guy who's super strong and a guy made out of iron so like (laughs) i I don't know i I think it works i mean even look at guardians like you have a sentient tree and a talking raccoon and you know this guy from earth and a green woman and like there's just all of these different crazy things but there's rules like there's there's a reason for all these characters to be there and it like meshes right where this really feels and and we've i've used this analogy a lot but it kind of feels like action figures just being thrown together right 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 well you know it's funny though well even our buddy sean ty (laughs) until the batman vs superman you know um batman vs superman movie came out he had no idea that superman and batman interacted in the comics and i was like well of course they do they're in the justice league and he's like yeah but it doesn't make sense because Batman is very realistic, like film noir. And then you have an alien from another planet that can travel faster than light. So couldn't he just solve all of Gotham's crimes in like two nights and like, <laughs> you know, in like five minutes. I'm like, yeah, you're right. It doesn't really make sense. Um, so anyway, but there's definitely a way to make it work. And the guardians of the galaxy is a, is a good example because the, he did make it work James Gunn, but I think it's partly because it's treated like a, as a comedy, right? I think that's one thing that helps. For sure, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and, and but the thing is though, I don't think this issue is taking itself seriously at all. It's corny. It's it's really really corny. It feels like mm-hmm. the '80s Transformers TV show, and and that's perfectly fine. I actually really Whoa. like that about this. Um, Are you saying that the cartoon's corny? I, I'm you lost me there. Mike, let's just move on. You guys just gonna laugh at each other for five minutes. <laughs> That's the, that's what I like about the Transformers. Is like I I I am not looking for a deep story when I open up this book about these uh-huh. these alien robots that turn into sports cars. Right, right. You know what I mean? It's it's just fun. It's pure fun, and that's really all I want out of this. So, at the end of the day, I think it was a pretty successful issue. Um, besides, again, the 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 kind of like everything mixing together on my plate mm-hmm. uh, feeling of this story. It's like mm, not a huge fan of everything kind of being mashed together. Uh, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I had fun. It Maybe it's also because I'm so used to reading the like traditional Spider-Man stories every issue and being right. able to jump into a Transformers like completely different genre and right, style right, right. of storytelling. It was nice and refreshing. Um yeah but yeah it's fun i don't know is it something that i would go out of my way to recommend i don't think particularly this issue but i Mm. would definitely uh recommend people to read the this transformer series well here's my question how many transformers comics have you read i've read a few um i i've read quite a bit of the the ones from the 80s and then my friend lent me um I can't remember from what year it is, but it's one of the more modern IDW 
Transformers stories. Okay. So, so there, there's. Uh, it's been a while since I've read these, but I remember absolutely loving them. So, like, I, like particularly, I remember so clearly from my childhood is the the Shockwave uh, cover with oh number five. All all of the Transformers are dead, or something like that. Uh, yeah, it's are like, all written the Transformers on the wall. are all dead. Yes. Yeah, it's the so, most popular cover of the whole run by Mark. For Freight. sure, yeah, I mean, it's. Excellent. I think it's one of the most popular covers in like comics. It's so iconic, yep. and I remember as a kid reading it, just like being so shocked and like, oh my god, everybody's dead. What's gonna happen? Like, it really know, like grabbed my attention. So these these comics are super fun, um, yep. especially if you can kind of, especially if you go into them knowing what it is, you're going to like it. I think. Right. Uh, G.I. Jolie, how many Transformers comics have you read? We lost her. (laughs) Um, I'm counting. Okay, okay. I can count them on two hands. Okay. But one one finger is a trade, so. But here's the real question is, do you remember the plot of anything you read? And the answer is... No. <laughs> so I know that this is not written by our pal Bob, but would you want to read more Transformers comics based on this issue? No. <laughs> I wouldn't. This would not be. This would not be something that I give someone initially. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I'd. Have but if to if someone was like, you. I love Spider Man and I love Transformers, and I'd be like, Yo, mm. he appeared in this one issue of Transformers in mm-hmm. 1984. I happen to remember only because we reviewed it on a podcast. You should read that issue. Then yeah. Mm-hmm. <sighs> <sighs> I all I can say is that I, I I always thought the art in this issue was bad, but I I was. I was trying to fight the nostalgia, but I still found myself really enjoying the plot. And I think it's like we were just saying, it's because the genre is different and it it is a refreshing change of pace. So, I mean, uh, this is not the best issue of Transformers, but I definitely still recommend it. Uh, Obviously, I love Transformers. I love Spidey. I don't think they should necessarily be in the same universe. And I'm glad that they got rid of that idea, but I still like this issue. And it is... I believe it has been reprinted in some editions of the trades, but in some of them, uh, they couldn't get the rights. And so if you, there's certain trades that are missing this issue. There's certain collections where they'll skip right over this one, right? Because IDW or whoever couldn't reprint it. So if you can get your hands on this, it's actually a pretty sort of a collectible. So I definitely have held on to mine. I'll never sell. I'll never sell any of my issues of Transformers, actually. (laughs) But, yeah, so I guess that wraps up this week's episode. Uh, does anyone else have anything else to say? Because uh, that's the only time we're going to read any non-Spidey alien costume stories. So next week it's going to be uh, back to the uh, to the regular issues. So back to the I, grind, right, guys? Yeah, I'm assuming that yeah. this issue came out after he got his – after he went back to his regular costume. Right, because of that note, right? Yeah, that's I, I didn't catch the year. Um, I will look it up right now. Yeah, I don't. See yeah, it here. Um, because, yeah, it's funny um, because I, I guess well, it's funny. Maybe it would be around the same time, right? Because it's what eighty was it eighty four or eighty six that Transformers came out? 
Well, okay, so 84, this issue right. came out the same month as Amazing Spider-Man 260. So that's two months after he got rid of the alien costume. Right. So that's why they so, had to have that note. That's so strange to me that he would have the symbiote costume in, in this, this issue? issue. Yeah, well, why? Because it's well, the not thing consequential is, is, to the story. I mean, I guess Spider-Man but, even being in this doesn't matter. <laughs> Nothing he does affects the story. So... Mm-hmm. Well, I here's the thing: is the one thing whatever. I, I know that um, they came up with the costume, and then before now, remember because they didn't reveal how he got it until Secret Wars number eight. So, Spider-Man had gotten rid of the costume two months earlier, and I think it's because they freaked out and got cold feet, and they're like, "Oh, you know what? Let's just go back to the old costume." And then he still had revealed how he got it in Secret Wars number eight. But then apparently people liked it so much. That's why they, they're like, okay, you know what? We'll, we'll give him a black cloth costume. And that's why he ended up getting a cloth costume, which I don't even remember how he got that. So we'll be getting to that issue soon and we'll find out. But yeah, it was just a weird turn of events the way everything worked out. It was an odd time. Right. But yeah. So I think that's pretty much it. Uh, we'd like to thank G.I. Jolie for joining us again. Thanks, Jolie. Oh, well, you. you're welcome. <laughs> All right. And uh, we Josh, also you can take thank, it from here. Yeah, we also want to thank you guys for listening to the to the show. Um, it really helps when you leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts, or you can drop us a line on Twitter at, at @hctspidercast. Uh, it really helps us when you guys let us know what you think about the issues that we're reading and let us know what you think about the podcast. So please uh, keep in touch. We want to keep this comic conversation going that's right so until next monday this has been here comes the spider cast all right see you then